0: The movie, The Ten Commandments. Have you seen this movie? Yeah, there, there he is. Charlton Heston Moses, right? <laughs> Moses. Charlton Heston played Moses and this movie for years and decades, really. It played every Passover and Easter time. Are they still doing this? They haven't given up? Good, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Now, you, you watch it, and it does have some of that kind of, you know King Jamesy English to it and stuff so you have to you know that's what I love about the the Mel Gibson the Passion because it was so much of the, the language and the you know everything he did a great job but nonetheless a great job of the 10 commandments and it tells the story of God's deliverance of Israel from slavery in Egypt this is the story of the 10 commandments it's not just about where Moses went up the mountain and got the Ten Commandments. That's actually kind of towards the end of the movie. The movie starts with Moses and him growing up in Egypt and then God using him as the deliverer and going to Pharaoh and asking that uh, Israel be released from from slavery, from the bondage of slavery. And, of course, Pharaoh uh, did not respond to that request, and so God had to use ten plagues... 10 plagues that were brought upon Pharaoh and Egypt uh, that that were used to ultimately deliver uh, the people of God, the the Jewish people. And the 10th plague, specifically, was a plague that was instituted not only as a plague, but it it was a feast that was instituted simultaneous with this 10th plague and that is the establishment of the first of God's feasts and it was called Passover. It's called Passover mm-hmm. even to this day. Amen. Yeah. Passover. The Passover is probably the most famous of all of the feasts that you know about in scripture. If you were to if I would have said, "Hey, name the feast of Israel of God," probably the first one would Passover, right? Passover. It's it's the one that most people know. And uh And we have the commandment to annually commemorate Passover and that's found in Leviticus 23 in the list and in the description of the other feasts. There are seven feasts of Yahweh that were given to Israel for them to commemorate and to celebrate every year. But we then we also have the specific instructions for Passover in Exodus 12, which is in the exact chronology of when it was actually instituted, along with that tenth plague uh, in Egypt on that particular night. So I wanted to just read the the scripture there uh, in Leviticus, where it just and it's very short. Uh, the the commandment to annually celebrate this, and I'm going to read that in Leviticus 23, beginning at verse 4. I'll also have it on the screen for you. It says this, these are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. On the 14th day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. Boom. That's it. That's the commandment. And that was the commandment for Israel to commemorate Passover on the 14th day of the month of Nisan, uh, the 14th day of the first month. And we'll get into that a little bit later. And so Israel was instructed to commemorate this feast annually. The Passover details are not recorded here in Leviticus 23. The details of actually how to actually commemorate Passover, are found in Exodus 12, when the children of Israel were living under Egyptian slavery. The scripture tells us that Israel at that time was in the bondage of slavery in Egypt. There came a time when, when there was a pharaoh that came to power that did not know, uh, that, that, that just kind of rejected or uh, kind of pushed back into history the, the time of Joseph and how Joseph was used by God. To literally save Egypt and also many in the in the ancient near east, but so Israel finds themselves in slavery, and they cried out to God because t- times got very tough, the slavery was very intense and and also um, you know the pharaoh there 's parts of the scripture there, the history where Things were the hardship was ratcheted up. You know, he made it more difficult and gave them quotas that were astronomical in terms of them being able to, to, to accomplish all the work that he, that he put on them. And so they they cried out. The Bible tells us that they, they cried out to God, 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 do something about this situation. And, and the scripture tells us that God heard. That God heard from heaven, and we can learn from that. Amen. We can learn that God. It, he does attend to to our cry he, he, the, the, the person the soul that cries out to God that, that that he's ready to hear that he's ready to 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 respond to that person that cries out to him that calls him he, he, He's a savior he, he, he's a helper he's a comforter he's, he's, he's one that wants to redeem he's one that wants to to intervene he, he's one that wants to save. And 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 release people from their bondage, and 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 if you'll just call, if you'll just cry out to him, he will attend his ear to our call, and uh, and so God did, and he sent uh, a deliverer in Moses, and he sent a deliverance, amen. A deliverer and a deliverance, and God's deliverance is a monumental occurrence. The the deliverance of Israel out of Egypt is perhaps the, one of the biggest moments in the Old Testament. Amen? It's one of the biggest moments. And, so it, and it all happened as this 10th plague coinciding with this Passover feast that God instituted on that, that historical night. So I want to pick it up in Exodus 12. So if you'll pick it up in Exodus 12, I want to read some scripture here. And then we'll wade through this and take a look at it. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household, And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire." its head with its legs and entrails, and you shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and you shall and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So here we have... The, the instructions we, we have the detailed instructions of how the Passover feast was to be to, to be done, and God uh, uh, brings this about and and uh, it's an incredible, incredible thing that God is about to do. One of the things that God does here is that He switches up their calendar. Remember I said last week that the calendar is the catechism the calendar was how God taught the people of his mighty works and the the redemption that he was going to eventually bring through christ that he was going to do and that he did in them and so so what he does here with passover is an incredible thing is he basically takes their calendar and he flips it and he takes their what their what was their seventh month and turns it into their first month so he basically says you know what you've been doing this and you've been counting months and years and all this, but I'm just going to flip it. This month is now going to be the first month. This month is going to be the first month. And I take this to mean that when when God saves, he turns everything upside down. Amen? He turns everything around, including the calendar. And some of us need our calendars flipped upside down, amen? Some of us need, you know, somebody to flip our world upside down. And, and that's exactly what God does. God, if you'll let him, if you'll let him come in and do the work. Now, some people don't want God to do his work. They kind of want to halfway be saved. You know, I want to I get my foot into this salvation box over here. No, God, God wants you to get all the way in there and, and let him flip your whole thing, Amen? Amen. When, when, when God's going to do something, he's not going to come up and you know just add a new floor and a couple ceiling fans. He's going to gut the thing like Chip Gaines, right? He's gonna, it's going to be demo day. You know, and so let him do it, man. Let him bring the whole thing down and build the whole thing back up the way he wants to do it. Amen. Because trust me, he's got a plan for your life that's better than whatever you could come up with or conceive of. Amen. And, uh, and I'm more and more convinced of that. The older I get, the older I get, the more days that I get under my belt, the more I'm convinced that God's got a great... Well, yeah, I wish I was 29. Um, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> I received that as a message from the Lord. 29 in spirit. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, so God says, hey, this is going to be the first month. This month is going to be the first month. And it was the month of Nisan. The month of Nisan. Now, what, he, what God said was that they were to, to, to celebrate this feast of Passover. When Nisan comes, this first month, I want you to, I want each family to take into their family a lamb. Okay? And it could be a lamb of the, the, the sheep or the goats, but I want you to bring this lamb into your the midst of your family, and I want you to do it on the tenth day of Nisan, the tenth day of Nisan. And no, not Nissan like the car, like you know, a Maxima or like, a, what a, like an Altima or like a, you know, what was the other, a Rogue, you know, no, no, don't go Rogue, stay here, the 10th day of Nissan, okay, all right, so, uh, so the 10th day of Nissan, and for the next four days, the, the, uh, the lamb would be in the midst of the family, so you'd literally like, okay, so let's just say this was the 10th day of Nissan and you'd go get yourself a, a lamb of the sheep or the goats, and you'd bring the lamb into the midst of the family. The lamb would just come come on in, come on into the house, you know, oh, you know, eating stuff and whatever. I don't know what they did, you know, but they had a lamb. Starting on the 10th day of Nisan, it came into the midst of the family. And what this is is an is, is incredible picture of just the lamb in the midst the lamb of god in their midst amen and 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 it's an awesome thing amen. and this aspect of the passover shows us that god is you know there's that detail where it says even if you were too small of a family or if like you were a single person that you that you joined in with your neighbor amen. and so this shows us that god is interested in the individual he's in the he's interested in the family unit and he's got an answer for the family unit and all of the nation did this simultaneously and so God has God is the answer for the nation as well for the individual for the family and for the nation and and when the when the date arrived when the Passover date arrived which was the 14th so they brought the lamb into the house on the 10th the actual date of Passover was on the 14th Each family was instructed to kill their their perfect lamb, their lamb without spot, without blemish, at twilight. And then they were instructed to take some of that blood and to put it on the doorposts of the house. upon the doorposts and upon the top of the house, right? And so this was the instruction. Uh, And so... This was going to be, on this particular night, it was going to be their last night, their last night in captivity because God was going to send the Passover angel. He's going to pass over, right? He's going to pass over. It's called Passover. It's actually a great catchy name, right? The, 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 The angel of the Lord was going to pass over Egypt, and when he saw the blood on the doorposts of the homes, he passed over But any place that did not have the blood upon the doorposts and upon the top, he did not pass over the the life of the firstborn male child uh, of that household was put to death. And this was the 10th and final plague that was put upon Egypt. The firstborn in Egypt died if they did not have the, the, the blood, the blood on the uh, on the doorpost. And so the morning after that Passover in Egypt, there was just, and you see this if you've seen the movie, uh, you know, they they just Egypt wakes up just in in a, in a in a grieving, in a mourning. You know, they suddenly notice that these firstborn sons have 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 have, have, have died. And so there's this grieving and there's mourning throughout all the land. And and uh and up until this point, again, Pharaoh had, had not responded to the other plagues. He had not responded to the request. And, of course, also simultaneous to that, he had not only just not responded, but there's that series of, of, hard, of him hardening his heart, right? He hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. And then finally, we're told that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. In that sense, it, it, it is in that sense that God confirms... The, 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 the decision of our heart when we, so that's, 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 it's very important when you're headed in a direction and you know it's not the right way that you need to go, you need to be very careful so as not to continue on that path very long because you can get on that path and you can get hardened. You can allow your own heart to be hardened and you can get hardened to the point where there may not be a turning back. And, 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 but God is, is calling out. And so, so that's what happened and so there was just this massive grieving in all of it and and God finally you know used that to get Pharaoh to the point where he finally said, "Okay, go. Just release you to go. Get out of here." <laughs> you know? It's like we we've had it. And and it was an incredible scene where The people of Israel are just marching out of of Egypt. And they actually got, you know, some reparations, I guess you could say, in the sense that they literally handed them the, the spoils. And all that gold and silver and bronze and those cloths and all that was eventually the stuff that God called forth from them when they got out into the wilderness to make the tabernacle. And so they received all that, and it was all a result of this Passover. Mm-hmm. So let me review real quickly the basic elements of the Feast of Passover. Um, so you, you, had, you had, you know, I broke, break it down into three points here, okay? So each family took a lamb without blemish into their midst on the 10th day of Nisan, okay? That's number one. Number two, on the 14th day, of nisan the commencement of the feast of passover they killed the lamb at twilight and applied some of the lamb's blood to the doorposts of their house and then number three each family roasted their lamb in fire and ate the entire thing that night of course and then there was that instruction of eating it with their sandals on and their and their uh, you know waist girded why because they ate it in haste with unleavened bread. This is the whole idea of the, the unleavened bread was they didn't have time to let the, the bread rise. They just had, it was unleavened bread, but it later becomes a picture of, of the sinless life of Christ, right? So we'll get into that later and really next week. But um, And so they were to eat it in haste because there was going to be this, what? Exodus, this exodus out of Egypt. And so When you look at those elements, the similarities between Jesus and Passover are both obvious and amazing, amen, when you look at this. If you remember last week, we talked about the wedding model, right? And we talked about this model of God's plan coinciding with this idea of the ancient Jewish wedding. The first thing in the ancient Jewish wedding model was you had the, this betrothal and the payment of a bride price. And so what you have in the Passover is you have this, it is literally God paying the bride price. He's paying, this is him making the covenant. He's establishing this covenant. He's establishing, he's paying the bride price, Amen. And so Passover is God paying the bride price. The price for his people to go free was the life of the lamb. The price for the people to go free was the life of the lamb. And so we see that in our freedom, our freedom from sin was purchased in the sacrifice of the life of the lamb. Amen? Jesus, the lamb of God, paid the bride price with his very own Life now. Let me show you. I want to show you exactly how this was fulfilled, and this is the the feast of Passover because it, it's it's a feast that had a very specific application on that night, coinciding with the tenth plague and their exodus from Egypt. But then it also is is part of the plan. It's the feast that points forward in time to Christ being the bride price, him paying the bride price with his own life, him being the Lamb of God, amen, Amen. and him shedding his blood, amen. And so his blood, so he's the Lamb of God, it's his blood that's on the doorposts of our life, amen. And so we're the ones that are then set free because he is ultimately our Passover, amen. So I want to show you how this is fulfilled uh, in in the giving of Christ's life upon the cross at Calvary in Jerusalem. Uh, I want to talk to you uh, about a prophecy in Daniel. And we talked about prophecy being fulfilled last week. And we, I, you were kind of going, where is he going with this? And why is he bringing this up? And the idea of prophecy being fulfilled is, is it's kind of an evidence and it's an eternal evidence of the reliability of Scripture and the inspiration of Scripture. I mean, if, 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 the, if the Scripture basically foretold a lot of things and then you could point systematically to these things not having taken place, then you could conclude that the Bible was not something that you could rely on. It's not something that you could rely on for accuracy, for truth. It's not something that you could then rely on for your life and for salvation. Because if it's if it's if it's if it becomes unreliable and not true, uh, then what are you really trusting in? <laughs> you know, you're just tr- you're just trusting in a, a fairy tale at that point, and that's why um, there's been movements down through history uh, in the church to protect the belief in the inspiration of Scripture, and even lately there's been a. An attack and I know this is something that you know the average person doesn't pay attention pay attention to per se but there have been even recent attacks upon the validity of the inspiration of scripture uh and and all that and so this is this is very very important stuff so jesus was born in three bc I don't know if you those of you who um see me on social media I actually put a happy birthday, Jesus, the other night. Um, Because we learned in our time when we had Dr. Michael Heiser that he tracked the birth of Christ to actually September 11th, uh, 3 BC. And if you want that evidence and information, you can listen to the the message the night Dr. Heiser was here. But very interesting in light of actually what now has transpired on September 11th. Um, And also that he told us that it was also coincided with the birth of Noah. And so if you'll remember, the message was, uh, you know, the second Noah, it was like the Genesis 6 and the second Noah. And so you have Noah who brought rest, his name means rest and comfort, and then you have him becoming a typology of of Christ and, and Jesus actually in that sense, in that typology being the second Noah. So Jesus was born in 3 BC, he started his ministry in A.D. 28, we put all this together based upon the historical evidence and the scriptural evidence that we see even in Scripture. And then we know that Jesus had uh, roughly a three-and-a-half-year ministry. So there was a so the time that he came on the scene and uh, ministered. And then he eventually went to the cross. He went to Jerusalem, went to the cross, and was killed. Um, now, the particular day, an, an interesting thing happened uh, on the day that, on the Sunday prior to Passover, you know, Jesus was, was crucified at Passover. And there's an interesting thing that happened on the day uh, that was actually four days earlier, uh, and, and we call that Palm Sunday, right? We call it Palm Sunday. And what happened? Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey that he had uh, secured through, uh, you know, directive that he had given to his disciples. Amen. I was looking for the, the command or the directive that he had given to his disciples to secure that donkey. And so now he's sitting on a donkey and he's riding into Jerusalem. Right. And And he's literally being praised and worshipped. He's literally being praised and worshipped as what? The son of David. The son of David. Hosanna, right? Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Which connects him to, on that particular day, the Davidic line was the royal line, right? And the promise, the Davidic covenant, that the Messiah would sit on the seat, the throne of the seat of his father, David. So very interesting stuff that's happening when Jesus comes into Jerusalem. Now, I want to talk to you about, there's a, there's a book that was written by a man named Sir Robert Anderson. And it's, and it's a book that's called The Coming Prince. And Sir Robert Anderson, uh, he led the the criminal investigation unit at Scotland Yard in the early 1900s. So he was basically like a like an FBI uh, detective in that sense. And he wrote a book about uh, the messianic prophecies and Jesus fulfilling the prophecies and he and he basically scoured through the scriptures and through everything and put together in this book uh, a timeline of how Jesus fulfilled specifically and exactly what amounts to one of the most powerful but yet very specific prophecies in the Bible, this is such a specific prophecy, it's not kind of like, you know, I'm going to walk out here and there's going to be a Camaro that's going to go by, okay? The chances of me walking out here in the next like 45 minutes or an hour of a Camaro going by, pretty high, okay? The speci- the specificity in this particular prophecy is so specific and so detailed and so exact that it would be probably next to impossible to concoct a scenario where you tried to fulfill this prophecy. And this prophecy is actually found in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. And it's a prophecy that's called the 77s prophecy. The 77s prophecy. The prophecy is named the 70 weeks prophecy or the 77s. And it's found in Daniel chapter 9. And you'll see it there in Verses twenty through twenty-four through twenty-seven, and it states that God has determined a time period totaling seventy weeks for Israel and for the holy city of Jerusalem. Daniel received this particular prophecy near the end of Israel's seventy-year captivity in Babylon. The, the The prophecy contains a period of seventy sevens. Now, a seven is is a week okay so these weeks are are sevens they're called sevens and it's really there there are different kinds of weeks there's a week of days and when i say that in our culture if i say a week you instantaneously think of a seven a week being a seven day week but in in bible times you actually had a seven that was a a week of years and so it was seven years um, the the Israel was told to observe sabbatical years the, sa- the Sabbath every seventh day, yes, in a seven day week, but also the sabbatical year in a seven year week, and that was the seven that this prophecy is about, so it was seventy seven years so so a week of years is seven years, and seventy of those that was what was determined for Israel for a very specific thing to occur that the the Messiah prince would be presented to Israel so the Messiah prince would be presented to Israel at the conclusion well actually according to the prophecy at the end of 69 weeks all right well let's let's back up so Daniel's receiving this prophecy from uh, the the angel Gabriel, all right, in chapter nine of, of of Daniel, and he is is this is at the conclusion of a seventy year uh, captivity that God brought them into uh, captivity, um, starting with Nebuchadnezzar in 586 coming in and destroying the city. Okay, I got to give you this background so you understand this. The, the city was destroyed. The articles of the of the tabernacle of the temple were taken in, into Babylon. Okay, so so Daniel uh, rises up to a, a high position in in Babylon and in Persia, and he receives this this prophecy. Now the 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 captivity was seventy years because. Israel disobeyed God specifically in obeying the sabbatical year. According to the laws of Sabbaths, you weren't to work on the Sabbath day, but you weren't to uh, farm the ground on the seventh year. In the sixth year, it would produce such a, a harvest that you would be provided for for all of that seventh year. Well, Israel never followed this sabbatical year. And so after 490 years, God finally brought uh, through Nebuchadnezzar a destruction of of Jerusalem and the bringing of uh, Israel into captivity into Babylon. And they remained in captivity for 70 years. And thus, God claiming back Those sabbatical years because they had disobeyed him. Amen. You know, I guess you could chalk it up into that that category of like, you know, God will not be mocked. You know, you know, you you think you can take and steal and disobey God, but sooner or later God's gonna he's gonna get his sabbatical years. And so he did. So this prophecy comes to Daniel at the end of this 70 years, where God's going to bring them back into the land. All right, he's gonna restore. Israel back into into the land, and specifically into Jerusalem. Now, I want to read a very specific verse that tells us exactly uh, what we're going to focus on for the last couple minutes here uh, in this, and it's Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. I'll have it up on the screen. This is being relayed to him again by, by Gabriel, and this is what the prophecy is. It says, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. There shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. Okay, so what is this verse saying? He's he's basically saying at the end of seven weeks, and 62 weeks for a grand total of 69 weeks at the end of a 69-week period, the Messiah Prince was going to present himself to Jerusalem, to the people of Israel. But the question is then, when do you start the clock, right? When do you, when do you start the counting of this 69 weeks? Yeah. And it's right there. It says, Know therefore and understand, verse 25, that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince will be these 69 weeks. So, so when do you start the clock? You start the clock at the command to build Jerusalem and build the wall, to really rebuild it because it was laying in, in desolation. So when you read those prophecies about like, you know, I have a hope and a future for you, Jeremiah 29, 11. That literally was given to Jeremiah in 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 him in, in weeping over the, the people of God that where the, the nation was lying in ruins because they had disobeyed God. God is now coming back through Jeremiah and saying, I I I have something for you, Jerusalem. I, I have a I have a plans to prosper you. I have a plan to rebuild you. I have a hope and a future for you. But right now it's in desolation. So you've got to understand those types of verses in, in the actual context in which they're given. And this is the context. This context of this prophecy is the same context. It was given in the same context that Jeremiah 29, 11 was given, that the, that the city was going to be rebuilt, that the, the wall was going to be rebuilt, that the city was going to be rebuilt. Yeah. So, so you have to figure out when the command To rebuild was given. And throughout history, well, let's back up before we get that. 69 weeks is 69 times 7 years, okay? So that comes out to 483 years. So we're talking about 483 years. It's going to be 483 years from the command to rebuild the city and the wall till the Messiah Prince presents himself to Israel, to Jerusalem, okay? So throughout history, there's only one such command. There's, there's a couple different possibilities, but when you research it all and you look at everything, every command, there's one specific command that fits the description that, that Daniel received from the archangel Gabriel. The command of King Artaxerxes The date of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem is well documented. The biblical account of this is recorded in Nehemiah chapter Mm 2, according to the records, and this was uncovered by our our buddy that wrote the book, The Messiah Prince, uh, the guy that ran Scotland Yard. Mm -hmm. He found this in... um, in Rawlinson, in the palace of Shushan, the king Artaxerxes gave a decree to Nehemiah the prophet to restore and rebuild Jerusalem on March 14th, 445 BC. And this is this is actually documented. You, if you want to see all this, you can see this is actually do- documented historical uh, st- historical record of this command. What I find interesting is that, he, that, got, that Artaxerxes gave this command that set off the rebuilding of the, uh, Jerusalem and the temple, and it happened to be on Pi Day. <laughs> I don't, and it was the day after my birthday. Um, but anyways, March 14th, 445 B.C. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to, because I probably have lost all of you. How many, how many of you do I still have with me? How many of you are just lying to me? Okay. (laughs) All right, I'm going to cut to the chase here, all right? From the date of this command to the date that Jesus came into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday was exactly the 483 years Actually works out to one hundred and seventy three thousand eight hundred and eighty days, according to the Babylonian calendar that they were operating on, and according to you know making sure that all all the all the dates work it is, is exactly one hundred and seventy three thousand eight hundred and eighty days or exactly four hundred and eighty three years or sixty nine weeks to the day, therefore, according to these cal- calculations. Jesus, the Lamb of God, came into Jerusalem as the Messiah Prince being worshipped as the son of David, right? The Messiah Prince right. on the exact day of this prophecy and also happens to be the 10th of Nisan was the very day that the Lamb according to passover would be brought into the individual families so that they could celebrate passover here's the actual lamb of god coming into the family the presence of the family as messiah prince on the exact day that was prophesied the exact day so when the psalmist prophetically says in psalm 118 verse 24 i'll have it on the screen this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This psalm is a, is a psalm speci- specifically talking about the triumphal entry, prophetically talking about the tri- triumphal entry. I know I grew up singing, we grew up singing a song, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Is today the day that the Lord has made? Yes. Should we rejoice and be glad in it? Yes. That's all wonderful. That's all great. That specific verse of scripture is specifically talking about a very specific day that the Lord had made that he specifically prophesied that his son, the Messiah Prince, would present himself on the 10th of Nisan as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen? Mm. To further give you the kind of the profound nature of this, in Luke's gospel, the account of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is followed immediately by a scene where Jesus is weeping over the city. He weeps, he, he's looking at the city. He's weeping over the city, and, and this is what he says. In, in Luke chapter 19, verse 42, I'll throw it up on the screen for you. It says this, if you had known even you especially in this your day the things that make for your peace but now they are hidden from your eyes wow. there's a lot to say there but he's basically saying that they didn't know <laughs> they didn't know they could have known they could have known because of all the pla- of all the places in scripture of all the places of scripture that Jesus specifically told people to read you look in the new testament okay he specifically told them to read daniel <laughs> he specifically told them to read daniel he told them you read the torah you read moses and all this that's great read moses read daniel You didn't know the day, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace, but they are now hidden from your eyes. That tells me that that we need to be very careful not to miss the timing of God, amen? Don't miss what Jesus did, don't miss what he's doing. Look and and ask God that your eyes, that these things not be hidden from your eyes, amen? That we be those people that are looking for the, the things that God is doing. So Jesus entered Jerusalem and was slain at Passover. He entered on the 10th day. He was slain on the 14th day. He becomes the Passover lamb. By giving his life as the Passover lamb, Jesus paid the price, the bride price, for our salvation. He becomes the Lamb of God, the bride price, the the blood was shed. It becomes that blood that he, he, whereas he is our Passover, delivering us from the bondage of sin and calling us out to be his. And so then I'll wrap this up. The, The Apostle Paul basically puts it very succinctly in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. He says this, For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Amen. Amen. Yes. Now, I'm going to close right there. And some of you might say, well, <clears throat> Pastor Charles, you know, we're just out here trying to go to Publix and get a sub and <laughs> and you know, get some gas and 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 you know, get some, you know, buffalo sandwiches or something. What is this what why do you why why are you bringing all this out? Why, you know, 669 you know, weeks and 483 years and 173,880 days and, you know, 45, 445 BC and proclamations of the King Artaxerxes and all this? Because it shows forth the veracity of Scripture. It shows forth the trustworthiness of Scripture. It tells us that the word of God is something that can be counted on, that we can stake our lives on, that we can be committed to, that we can realize is true. Amen? Amen? So you say, why, 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 why? And maybe it's just me who thinks like this. I'm a skeptical person. You know, my parents taught me about the rapture when I was a kid about being caught up with Christ and, I, and I, I would jump up see you don't just go up that's how that, this is me from an early age okay alright so this is how I think and I've grown up and I want to know that what I'm, I have committed my life to is true and that I can bank on it that I can count on it and what this tells me among other things among many other things but the specificity of this particular prophecy what it tells me is that there is absolutely no way on earth that somebody concocted this story over 1,500-year period of time, calculate, you know, from, from Moses and the, the, the Exodus to the Babylonian exile and the prophecy of Daniel to the time of Christ, and somehow put all that together? No way. no way. <laughs> no way. And what it tells me is that we, we have a God. We have a God. Yes. And he has a son, and his name is Jesus. And he came to this earth, and he, and he paid the price, and he paid the bride price. And, and folks, you've been bought and paid for. You've been bought and paid for. And, and we are betrothed to our bridegroom,